which sounds weird. Um, I there's been a plague of interesting incidents lately. Some of my fellow podcasters have had a series of unfortunate events. I know of three people who lost their files completely after recording, which is my worst nightmare. Like worst nightmare. Oh, no way. Yeah, no, it's not. It's scary. Um, and it's bad enough. I don't know. It's bad enough. I face harassment, you know, from the deep state every day, all day. But like, I am not going to let them take my episodes. That's not happening. And I'm not letting them take my new show leave right away. So I'm recording. I'm recording this on a backup uh, just on my phone because, you know, you can never be too safe. Yeah, <laughs> always good to have a backup plan. Exactly. And I feel like, I don't know, um, I'm joined this evening by a, such a special guest, um, someone who's really, really, truly dear to me. This is a super exciting. Um, before I gush, though, I'm just, I'm just going to introduce you. Nucho Libre, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much. This is my first time doing a podcast. You sound so slick and professional. As I was telling you before, people like me usually aren't in radio or on podcasts, a lot of those more spastic freaks are told, uh, you know, to stay, stay at home, basically. But I, um, you know, it's a new day. We're breaking those rules. We're not being told no anymore. You sound really great. Have you ever done like, what, you don't want to tell me this, but have you ever done like radio or voiceover work or anything? No, I'm not. Anytime I hear my voice played back, I'm cringing at it, especially if it's during the evening. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, don't do a podcast then. That's the worst part of it is having to freaking like listen to myself back like over and over. Um, Nucho, I just want to say uh, before we kind of get into everything, just like how awesome it is to have you here. And yeah, just how much you really do truly mean to me as like and as an anon, as a mutual on Twitter.com. Um, I followed you for a really long time. I was trying to think it's never easy to see like when you followed someone exactly. Um, but it's a long time i started my account with a bunch of like nigerian follow for follows <laughs> so that's the base stack of my like a following account it's like the first like 80 accounts or so and then some yeah probably bernie bro type people this was like 2019 2020 i don't know were you a bernie bro at all on twitter like would i have followed you in that era i might have been i was a i was a reluctant bernie voter I wasn't super into it, but yeah, I think most of the people who I'm mutuals with probably come from, come from that space. Fair enough. Fair but enough. It's changed. It's changed in the last few years. Oh, it maybe even just a little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. We'll talk about that. I think um, like Deddy is somebody who's been on the program. Uh, Tucker Marks. Those are people. I think from yep. that same kind of milieu. I guess I hate that word. Why do I always feel compelled to say it? Um, um, and I think you may have been from that realm and that that area or region, but. Um, where you really stick out in my mind is the early days of my return to Twitter in 2021. Full disclosure, I guess, backstory. I was driven off Twitter by George Floyd, all social media. I left social media after the, the George Floyd thing. I couldn't deal with it. It was insufferable. And so I was like, bye. Um, missed a lot of important information about COVID in the process, but returned in 2021 to learn the truth and figure out what the fuck was going on in the world. And you were one of the first people that like was helping me truly understand it or was was making sense about it and was sharing information uh, about you know the pandemic or the new normal, uh, the truth about the pandemic response, the truth about the, the medical countermeasures, the, the vaccines, the non-medical uh, countermeasures, like masks and all the other shit. Um, you just had so much like wisdom, information. Uh, you seem very cool and level-headed as you do this evening. Um, and I remember one time on Rare Candy, actually, I feel like they 
can you do a shout out shout out rare candy also by the way yep, always. Yep, um, and they were just like neutral libre that guy that guy like is always right and i was like yes that's so true i was like totally neutral libre is always right so i'm just really uh pleased and so excited to have you here on here comes the backlash this evening Thank you so much. I'm seriously so flattered that anyone cares about what I have to say. And I have to say to you that you are truly doing the Lord's work, making me feel less insane and also introducing me to a lot of cool people in the process. I actually think I'm a, a menace. I think I don't think the Lord may. Well, yeah, I don't know if, I don't know if the Lord co-signs or not these days, but that's OK, because we're on a mission. You know, um, as I was telling you before, it's it's really true. I, like information. I don't know. I think information has its own like laws and properties that we don't even fully grasp yet, uh, like almost like quantum field type stuff. And I think information travels in ways we don't understand. And even us doing this stuff that we do, like posting, you know, it doesn't seem maybe impactful in terms of direct action. But I think just the act of raising the raising the vibration of information that could possibly just help percolate and bring things uh, through like non-direct means, I guess, almost. Yeah, I feel that too. I think I'm interested in the way information flows as well. And I think a lot of times people end up having thoughts or ideas that 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 might have been placed there by by something else but we don't even realize it and propaganda has just gotten so sophisticated that like a lot of people aren't aren't uh a lot of people are outsourcing their thinking but they aren't really realizing that that's that's what's taking place and i everyone falls falls victim to that including including myself of course mm, it's so true yeah i love that you said about just like information being plopped into your mind because I almost feel um where do where do ideas come from it's a, it's a fascinating question um, and sometimes it is quite mysterious the, the ideas we have like right? even even if somebody isn't super plugged in and paying attention to what's going on in the world like a lot of people just tune stuff out I was like that for a while too but if that's somebody's mode of operating I think that they will end up just defaulting to what the what the manufactured consensus is so in that way i feel like it is important to to at least be aware of things that are going on Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah because i think yeah because i think we're getting to a place where it's almost um the external information uh it's so powerful, the propaganda that you're right. You, you don't even kind of uh, become aware sometimes that you are being programmed to kind of think. And I think there's almost another level, though, that's like the opposite of it, where or like a, I don't know, a spiritual almost version of it, where it's like you have to kind of look inside of yourself. And maybe the ideas aren't generated there. The information doesn't come from there per se. But the, the ability to be able to develop like discernment and be able to evaluate what's going on through your own uh, lens and criteria to make sense of it is crucial in this day and age yeah i think a lot of times a lot of times takes get manufactured really quickly Mm. but i think it's good to pause and make sure you're make sure you're coming to a certain point of view or way of thinking after you've had a time to synthesize after you've had some time to actually synthesize the information 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like that is so wise and true. And it's uh, in synthesis, it takes time. I'm maybe not the best expert at you know, pausing or taking time or synthesis, but I do. Maybe I do know a thing or two about about synthesis. I guess it's very inform- interesting to me just how um, just how the information, I guess, economy or warfare landscape, as I call it, how the trenches actually operate. It's just been so strange in these last few years. Um, and yeah, like, sure. like, tell me about like yeah, you don't have to go into your your bio or anything like that but maybe just tell me a little bit about like where you started before uh, what i call a new normal this new mock version of uh, of reality that we entered what was your life like so i'll say that i'm definitely not always right i i often look back on the things that i was saying and doing like four or five years ago and being like oh oh my god that's what i was that's what i was saying that's what i was doing but but in some ways that's a good thing it means that we're we're evolving and and honing honing how we're thinking i as far as my journey goes i yeah i'm i'm with you on not getting attached to labels but i guess i can use them to describe where i came from i'm i'm i guess uh, you could say recovering leftist although i think that the things that attracted me to the left are still broadly true but that being said i've had to i've definitely had to rethink certain topics like climate, gender, et cetera. I think that I've always kind of been a skeptic of the mainstream, a little bit of a black sheep. And as soon as I had any kind of political consciousness, I would say I was pretty far left. I was never really a mainstream liberal or a Democrat. I guess you could say left libertarian, anti-war, pro-environment, and one of the first first figures who I admired was Dennis Kucinich. And I saw him, I saw him in those debates in the 2000s because he ran for president. I also saw Peter Camejo. I don't know if you remember him, but he was somebody who was running for governor in California. And people like those two, they spoke really sensibly, but I saw how they got really unfair media treatment. Like Dennis Kucinich, he was a principled peace guy, anti-war, and his flaw ultimately was that he's part of the system and he was a party loyalist. I actually met him in 2008 and, and I asked him because he was just, he was running in that primary and then he dropped out. I asked, I asked him how he was going to endorse. And he was like, Oh, of course I'm going to endorse Barack Obama. But, and then I got into it a little bit with him, like, wait, but, it's not just it's not just red versus blue there's these other options too but he was like no no we got to we got to make sure that what was it in 2008 John, John McCain doesn't yeah. become president and i really hated that and that ever since that i i didn't have any real political heroes after that and then in 08 i would say i was the only I was the only non-Republican that I knew who did not have Obama fever. And if you remember what 2007, 2008 were, was like, so all of my friends and I were finally old enough to vote. I had friends who worked on the Obama campaign. And when Obama got elected, people at my university were partying all night. I didn't, you know, I was not, I was not with them. I, I voted for Ralph Nader in that election, although in retrospect, I think Cynthia McKinney was the move. Mm, love her yeah i love her she's had elections rigged against her she was questioning 9-11 and so i think i tuned out politics for a lot of the obama presidency but i noted 
the some of the important stuff like the expansion in mass surveillance, the expansion of the war on terror after he won a Nobel Peace Prize for doing nothing, the different <laughs> proxy wars, the Obamacare monstrosity. I in 2012 and 2016, I voted for the Green Party. But like I was saying, I was a I was a reluctant Bernie voter in 2016. Sure. I, I knew they weren't going to let him win I, and he was going to bend the knee to the party. By that point, I already figured out basically that elections were BS. They have a 101 ways to rig an election. I I found Trump entertaining. I, I enjoyed his debate performances. And um, yeah, I had a fun time watching him. And And when he got elected, it surprised me, but I wasn't melting down the way that the way that people around me were i think during the mid to late 2010s i became more anti-imperialist i did some marxism reading in 2019 2020 i sort of paid attention to the tulsi gabbard campaign i think she has some similarities to dennis kucinich and rfk jr in both both good and bad ways really diverse mix of supporters and I guess just with the last two, three years, I, you know, the seeing the way the left has gone along with all of the, the craziness has been, has been pretty jarring. Uh, the people who I, the, the circles that I ran with on Twitter, it was just, it was weird. And it was like, I was getting blocked by people I was mutuals with for a long time. Like these people who were who were saying that they were hardcore anarchists or communists or Green Party people. Mm. Trotskyists were the worst who all went along with the, the mandates. And <laughs> I guess I, I picked up a I picked up a number of bald eagle and American flag followers during that time. So sure. my, my online environment is is different now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a gigantic headed alien or two. I don't know. That's really interesting. Did you ever vote for Roseanne for president? Because I did. <laughs> No, I didn't. I didn't pay much attention to her, but maybe I should have. Uh, no, she's actually, she's a fast. No, she's great. Uh, I recommend anyone go listen to uh, Roseanne she, on Mel K, this kind of like uh, alternative media host. There's a really great interview. She's been wronged. I think the whole thing with her, I, I don't want to get into it, I guess, but her whole thing with her cancellation was such BS. It, it really, her, hearing her side of the story uh, is fascinating. Uh, but she ran kind of on like a Green Party. I don't know, maybe it was Peace and Freedom. I don't know which one she ran on in like 2012. Because like you, I, I didn't uh, care for Obama. I was I've always been like weirdly reactionary and just like, ugh, I don't know. I, I think around that time I was trying to start my God guns, gays and ganja party <laughs> eight or so. Um, so I was actually, I think I, I didn't love any of them. I was angry. I was a really big, like Michael Savage type of like, I guess, person at that time where it was very like uh, kind of on the, I guess, right wing coded, I guess, but very anti-war. Like he, he kind of led that charge on the, on the Republican side, I feel like in a lot of ways. Um, and so I like you kind of had that same anti-war sentiment and, uh, um, kind of anti-establishment, uh, really corporations, uh, not necessarily Marxist, because I, I, as you mentioned before, uh, a deeply Marxist environment, and it uh, caused me to go crazy, basically, and become the monster that I am today. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of similarities between what you, you described, to be honest, and I feel, um, and thank you for speaking also just to, like, uh, the Obama heresies, because I feel like even to this day, I, the left will not cop to anything at this point, but, like, there is so much shit, and it is kind of crazy to think back, because uh, I didn't know half of it. I kind of tuned out during a lot of those years, because I was disgusted 
but I feel like there's so many things that like just were so already the apparatus, as you said, this uh, censorship and a lot of these things were already ramping up uh, hardcore and, and doing a lot of papers for that administration. Yeah, for sure. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Fuck Obama. I, I love to say it. It's so great. So you get to this point, and what was that like, I guess, uh, before we get into the, kind of the COVID stuff, what was it like starting to have like bald-headed bald headed eagles? <laughs> bald eagles and um, just like a, maybe patriot-type uh, people, maybe even a, a 1488-type thing in there at the same time. That gets a little weird, but you start to become exposed to this other hemisphere, maybe, that you weren't probably uh, maybe privy to or participating in before. How did that feel? Uh, yeah. To be honest with you, I I haven't interacted a ton with with the with the bald eagle people, but I think that in general, those people are probably more open minded. And even though we we might disagree on some other things, we can we can align on some things that that are important to us. And I I, I tell people like if I was gonna get a new neighbor, like a physical neighbor, I and I had to choose between the you know, the person who has the, in this house, we believe sign mm-hmm. the, the person who has a, a red MAGA hat. I, I definitely prefer the latter because I could, I feel like I could probably talk to them about more things. And it's been interesting going through the whole pandemic experience because I've, I've sent some, some bat signals out on my, <laughs> on my like Instagram account and stuff. And I've reconnected with some of some people who I knew from high school and college who were who are more right-wing or Republican mm-hmm. and have had conversations with them. And, and yeah, they're like, they agree with me a lot more than all the leftists who went along with the the mandates on, on that particular issue. That's really important. Mm-hmm. That's um, been my experience as well. And I feel like I've never fully embraced, I guess, being quote unquote right wing. I guess it's a thing that gets applied sometimes to me, but I do feel the talking to yeah conservatives or whatever you want to call it uh, has always been a little bit easier. Uh, and I'm gay. Like they, they're supposed to like want to like hang me from a tree or whatever. Uh, I've never felt unsafe or like any kind of untoward feeling in those kinds of um, spaces or conversations. Whereas I have in left-leaning and liberal spaces, so-called safe spaces, they're not really safe for people like me who don't go along and toe the party line. They're actually quite dangerous places to be. Um, so, sure. so I'm glad that you. I'm glad you said that as well. No hard feelings on not talking to a bald eagle because honestly, a lot of those accounts are freaking like sock puppets. Do you, do you see that? There's so many weird accounts on Twitter that I do not think are real people. Yeah, there's a lot of that. And like not quite bots either, maybe bots, but like I don't know. There's let's get into that actually. So I mean, I'm also I'm also not good about following back, and um, like I I think if like if if some of those people got in my replies and we got into it and and stuff, maybe I maybe I would be more in those circles online. I feel like you have a really. healthy presence in the sense that I don't see you causing drama or doing like you're not doing the most which is perfect you're doing I feel like the right amount and you are uh I, I respect you for that so I think yeah, you sound much saner than me to be honest uh Nucho so I think it's working no no I mean I I I, I was a I was a big time reply guy in like 2015 2016 would just like throwing spitballs at these official accounts these powerful people and stuff like that but now i've kind of cooled off i posted a lot in the pandemic but now i'm i have max like one good take per week they're good takes though it's it's all about consistency in my opinion 
Tell me about the early days of COVID and getting up into the the actual shutdowns and everything like that. What was your thoughts on like the reports, I guess, of COVID-19? So I was late to the game, I think. So I can give you the, the chronology. So I think in January, February 2020, my reaction was, this was before it came to the U.S., before the virus came to the U.S. My reaction was, what's the fuss over a flu-like illness? Mm-hmm. And so that was my instinct, which I guess that was correct. But then when the March stay at home order came, I, I, I basically went along with it. I stayed at home. I wore a mask when I went out. I was never really fearful of illness. And I think we knew pretty early that if you're young and healthy, it's, it's, it's not, you know, it's not super dangerous. I actually had a friend, somebody I know from the, from the animal rights vegan world, he actually sent me a YouTube video of Del Bigtree on the high wire. Mm, shout out Del. <laughs> yep. yep. One of the most charismatic broadcasters there is, Del Bigtree. Yeah. He doesn't make you feel gross like some other uh, media we have to consume in like anti-vax quote unquote spaces. It's high quality. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. I, I, I still, yeah, I still listen. Um, but he was basically questioning, this is a short YouTube clip. He was questioning whether the this event was basically a bunch of profiteering by big pharma. And what I did at the time, I, I looked up the high wire on Wikipedia and then I replied to my friend, Oh no, that's an anti-vax channel. I, I was never an anti-vaxxer until 2020. So respect to the OGs out there. But then I remember, I remember watching the Trump operation warp speed press conference where he had all those CEOs of big companies with him. And I, I thought that was suspicious. As soon as I knew that they were going to try to push out a vaccine in record time, I knew that I wasn't going to want to take it mm-hmm. because taking an unapproved pharmaceutical product that's still in clinical trials, that's usually only reserved for desperate situations when a patient is on his de- his deathbed and has no other options. And in addition to that, these were going to be genetic products using an entirely new mechanism of action. This is completely different from a small molecule that your body will clear and excrete within a couple of days. So I think maybe it's useful to give a little bit more about my background before this, um, because I, I, my, my field of study in college was biological sciences and engineering, and I've done a lot of lab work. I've I've run PCR hundreds of times. I've wow. I've published research that was I actually just looked it up today. It, it was it was NIH funded. I had a one of my early jobs was I was a I was a low level employee of a company that basically got hired by pharmaceutical and biotech companies. So I was doing stuff like pricing, clinical trial design, a lot of reading up on FDA labels, a lot of talking on the phone to doctors and medical directors at insurance companies. It's actually funny. If you remember that Project Veritas video of that, that guy having a freak out in the pizza parlor. Christian Walker, I believe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that guy and I, at, at that time, like 10 years ago, plus or minus, he and I, he was an East Coast guy. I'm a West Coast guy, but we, we probably had very similar looking resumes. There were very few degrees of separation between me and him. I, 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 I know who he is, but needless to say, we've had different paths since then. 
And I've also, after working at that job, I also worked at a startup that was that was making medical coding technology. And that was something that later helped me connect the dots on how providers were incentivized to find COVID everywhere. Mm. So I'm not, I'm not doing, I'm not in anything healthcare related anymore. Although the, although health stuff still motivates me, but the business side of things just ruins it. Um, so where was I? Um, 2020. Yeah. So tell me yeah, about what happened. So you're, so you're 2020, you have this background. You're, you're a smart guy, obviously. I think people could tell before you shared your background, but clearly you have some expertise in the area and you were kind of, uh, sound like a little dismissive of, of the COVID, uh, reports, you know, rightly so. I, I, I wish I had been paying better attention at, at, at the time when it was really fog of war, like March, 2020 with the wall to wall propaganda. I basically, I basically saw that happening and I, I think there was probably a voice inside of me that was like, that had some doubts, but I pretty much just went along with it. I didn't question it. But then when, when the high wire got banned off of YouTube in, in July, I think July, 2020, that along with the, the BLM protests, that's was, that was when my doubts compounded. And I remember they were saying stuff like racism is the real virus. And now it's good to, it's good to actually go out and protest for this particular cause. And that, that was the point at which I started more intentionally seeking out the censored and suppressed voices. And around that time, like middle of 2020, that was around the same time I went down the 9-11 rabbit hole. Oh, nice. Welcome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was, I was definitely late to that too, but the, the, the person on the person on Twitter who, who put me on that path, who suggested some documentaries, I just checked today. She's now suspended and <laughs> And um, I, I didn't have anyone to talk to about COVID or 9-11. And I was, I was even afraid to broach the subject with my, my girlfriend. She was out of town and I was, I was alone basically. And I felt like I was going insane. Oh no. <laughs> In there, exactly what you were describing. It was 2020. We were locked down. If you remember, the sky was red from the California wildfires. Fuck, dude. Yes. Well, let's talk about that. Jesus. Yes. I remember that. That was a dark day. It was a that was had to be a psyop. That was that's never happened before or since. It was so fucking weird. It was nighttime for the day. It was like a red, dark sky. Totally. Yep. Yeah. So it was that horrible day in history. Yeah. yeah that was happening. I, I didn't even know that smoke made sunlight red but okay and the cities were having riots my my car was involved in a literal dumpster fire that had nothing to do with me but even even with all that stuff going on in 2020 i knew that 2021 was going to be worse because you know because they were coming out with the the jab Mm -hmm. and i refer to 2020 and 2020 to 2022 as the dark ages Mm -hmm. and i i remember i went on this camping trip in November 2020 with some of my classmates who are basically normie liberals. They were giddily celebrating Biden's quote unquote victory when mm-hmm. when that happened. Mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't access my friends in my phone because because I was out in the middle of nowhere and I, I wanted to get the hell out of there. But actually, so this was end of 2020. I, my, my girlfriend and I, we moved to Hawaii oh and, my gosh. and yeah, we lived there for six months. Uh, and so in order to, they had a, they had a, 
they had a mandatory 14 day quarantine there. And in order to get a PCR test from my primary care doctor, I had to, it was only available to people who were showing symptoms. So I had to pretend to be sick. And I got the PCR test. I tried to time it so that I would get my results before I landed there. My results were not available within three days. So we had to do the mandatory 14 day quarantine. We had to sign all these forms to quarantine and give them our addresses and, and do all of that before they allowed us to even leave the airport. Now, even though the next day our test results became available, we still had to go through the 14 day quarantine, which is such BS. Yeah. And we actually got visited by, they were checking to make sure that people were complying with the quarantine. We got visited by uniformed national guardsmen. So we 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 had a guy from the military come and check that we were complying with the quarantine, even though we were perfectly healthy and had negative test result. crazy that is okay i feel like i do owe ad Therese or whatever a fucking apology because <laughs> there were concentration camps in australia I, that she's wrong about that but like that's fucking that's exactly the same thing essentially like that is it's the same thing it's terrifying dude how did actually let's let's pause this was a bit of an arc it's like just this journey for uh i guess for you like and going through kind of this like dark night of the soul going through the looking glass maybe a little bit because um it's not unusual i actually don't think to question the world the way that maybe people like like i did like conspiracy theorists like whatever but like uh that's not the default for many people for a reason because it's not reasonable on on face value right there's no reason to not trust the news there's no reason to think everything's a lie or that all this stuff is like just complete bullshit and then until it becomes very patently obvious that is the case and then you know everything changes it makes sense to me that you would be as a like kind of just a guy with a head on his shoulders going through the world not like thinking like um all of these things. And so, especially like 9-11, I was watching some media from 2002, 2003 the other day and remembering just how much like people were demonized for uh, questioning that. It was like very, very not cool to yeah. do uh, to do that. It's very normal, I guess, is what I'm saying, that you would um, have had this experience, you know, and still be starting to question it. And then you would just kind of had this, I guess, inflection point where, it, uh, which sounds like it was the high wire being censored, which I think is so fascinating. Was there other censorship and, and things like that that kind of, I don't know, that you noticed that time or was it really just like that that specific moment it was it was the thing that made me actually get serious and look into it was mass censorship there was there was there was like huge waves of censorship left and right and and it was just so obvious to me that there was a narrative control operation going on but i i I felt a little hesitant to quote-unquote go there without at least seeing other people talking about certain topics. And definitely in my, in my real life, I hardly talked about this with, with anyone, but then I got, you know, over time, I got more and more, more and more certain that certain about my positions and Mm -hmm. did it a little bit more. Although I don't know how much, I don't know how much I've been able to, to get people who I know in real life to, 
to to consider the fact that they've been lied to by the news. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Same. No, it's hard. It's it's hard, and I, I that's very relatable. Just that um, that process of kind of self validation. For me, when I really got into like just the COVID stuff, I wasn't really even connected to COVID. Like I knew it was going on. <laughs> Obviously, it was like happening in the world, and I knew like the mask stuff was bullshit because it was like they flipped on it. But I don't think it hadn't clicked that this was like the thing, right? I didn't click that we were like in the 9-11 type style moment again until 2021 for me. And so that, when that happened, it was like, holy shit, like pulling the red alarm is not a fire drill. This is real. And I remember having that, like, it was just this creeping feeling of just almost like looking around the world being like, I remember specifically actually look, listening to Mark uh, Crispin Miller on something oh, yeah. uh, talking about like the thing I'm being, this guy sounds so fucking crazy saying that they're like, people are dropping dead from the vaccine, like left and right. But I was just like, it, it, like, I guess, yes, July, maybe of 2021, I would say this is about, and I was just like, but fucking shit. Like, I don't think he's crazy. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, well, like I can't say this to anybody yet, but I was like, I have to fucking like, figure this shit out. And I remember that process and it was so goddamn scary. But um, when I started to realize what was going on, this is, I'm going to sound crazy. It's like Alfred Hitchcock moment or something. I don't know how to describe it. I'm just like the world becomes uncanny. Oh yeah, totally, totally. The, the other thing, in addition to the censorship that was a clue that something shady was going on was the CARES Act, that they mm-hmm. did those bailouts. I mean, these, these big bailouts and moments of crisis like manufactured crisis that's happened before and this one was the this one was a really big one like a huge upward transfer of wealth and about mark crispin miller like i remember he he was a he was a professor of propaganda right at Mm -hmm. Mm NYU. yes he was getting canceled by all he did was tell his students you should look into the you should look into the narrative like maybe around masks or maybe around the whole thing Mm -hmm. And yeah, that was insane. Yeah, he said maybe there's propaganda in public health campaigns, and his students like lost their minds. Uh, yeah, if anyone's not familiar, I'll put a link in the show notes because his story is, if you've not heard it, is wild. Um, but and, I mean, and he kind of does seem crazy though right i actually want to ask you really quickly you're the probably the first and only guest of this program that has run a pcr that's really cool it's like you might as well just like tell me you're like a rock star it's just like oh my gosh do you know carrie mullis like i don't know like i wish uh he's he rad that guy is so cool his, his, his interview with gary null i think is essential viewing in 1993 or 1996 we will link it there's a he's so great uh he Love that guy, R.I.P., um, who died, I believe, just before yep. COVID-19 crisis. Um, so as a PCR person, did you, I guess, or, or a user, <laughs> did you, um, like, do you have any, did you know anything about, like, the cycles? Do you have an opinion on it now? Was there anything that there that kind of was off to you? Well, it just allowed me to understand when when I heard, when I heard other skeptics talking about it, I, I connected the dots quickly because PCR is, it's, it's not meant as a diagnostic. It's really just a production technique. It's a way of, it's a way of starting with a small amount of genetic material and amplifying it to a large amount so that you can detect it or sequence it or something. And so the type of PCR that I had done was when I was, I was at this gene sequencing company and we were, we were getting environmental samples and just like amplifying the, amplifying the genetic material of whatever, possible pathogens were in there. It's kind of interesting looking back on that project now. 
Uh, I bet. I bet you look back on a lot of stuff, probably oh, in your yeah. uh, life sciences career, uh, it's, and even your student time, perhaps. Like where it's just like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm st- I'm still motivated by health related things, but then when you merge business and health, it creates all kinds of bad things. I still get contacted by recruiters from like health related or health tech type mm-hmm. companies, and. And then I look into what they're doing and now I'm just kind of skeptical of everything. And also some of those companies, at least as of a few months ago, still had mandates. Mm-hmm. Many, many such cases. Okay. So you had this uh, journey. You guys, I guess, decided to flee. Uh, was it like a fleeing situation? What was, uh, I guess, the motivation for going to going to Hawaii? Well, actually, so um, my wife is from there. So the same okay. person I was talking about, we, we got sure, sure, sure. the last few years. Girlfriend. So she's, okay. she's from there, so she has a connection there. So that was nice. I, I mean, I was doing my job from a laptop, so I could, I could be anywhere. I, think, I mean, I might have technically been violating some policy, but yeah, it was... No, I think they waived. Lucky that I was able to do that. (laughs) I think for COVID, they waived all like all regulations and laws, even in that regard. Congratulations, by the way, to her, like his homeland, like out to Hawaii. Um, People think if you're not really like looking at a map, people, I think a lot of times Hawaii is like off the coast of California. In fact, so I worked at the boardwalk in Santa Cruz. Oh, dude. I love the boardwalk. The boardwalk, yeah, exactly. I, I, have so much, I have so much childhood nostalgia for that. <laughs> also, like by perfect. the way, mm-hmm. yeah. really great place. Really great, really great, really great place to drop acid. <laughs> I have never done acid there. I've done mushrooms. Actually, I've never done mushrooms there. I've done that a nearby beach. Uh, but but it seems like a nightmare. Are you sure it was it was it a good time? <laughs> oh, it was a great time. Yeah, I've done it twice. I feel like I'd have too much of like an association with the Lost Boys somehow, and I, I don't oh, know yeah. some kind of bad trip might uh, might ensue. That's awesome. When I worked there, though, they told you this in the training. They're like, uh, when when you're in Santa Cruz and you look across the bay, you can see Monterey. It's the, the other side of a, of a large bay. Um, it's kind of the hills kind of don't connect all the way, so you don't really see that it's a bay per se, but it, it is a bay. And they warned you that people would would tell you or ask you if that was Hawaii across the <laughs> bay, Santa Cruz, and I was like, that's not fucking true like that was like the dumbest thing i've ever heard it happened to me three times new show three separate times in two years maybe two summers or whatever like people were like is that hawaii over there and it was like no if it was hawaii why would you be there right now like what are you talking about is that hawaii over there no hawaii is far away so you guys went out to a small like not, yeah a couple specks of land you know out in the middle of the pacific that is not just off the coast of california everyone maybe that's obvious to many but uh, apparently it's not um did you get that's so I'd funny I'd, I'd never heard that <laughs> people who are from california think you can like you know go to disneyland and on like the weekend if you live in like sacramento and it's like no nope. it doesn't work that way what was what was like a COVID it, it for yeah before even as you arrived so you were actually so actually wait hold on so you arrived and you were immediately into quarantine but you were like home right or you were in like a facility per se no we had a we had our own place Sure, sure. But it was like you're supposed to be locked down. It's a it is a you're yeah. not sick for any reason. You you're, not even, you're, you're not even supposed to go out for groceries. You're supposed to get everything delivered. That is disgusting. Um, 
okay and just get the delivery person sick it doesn't even really make sense i know they had protocols or whatever but it's just that that person's now at risk for having the whole thing was crazy i was thinking about my memories of the um, early days uh before this interview i had covid in march of 2020 pretty bad like just before the lockdown so i missed a lot of what was going on at that point as well but i do remember in the early days being like i wasn't worried about covid obviously for myself i believed in this crazy thing called like immunity at the time I was like I should be fine and I was like I will probably volunteer I was like this is like noble idea that I was going to be like delivering food to like the elderly because I was like well it must be a deadly pandemic right they wouldn't be just you know lying the economy thing threw me off shutting down the economy was surprising anyway so I was just like well they they wouldn't do all this like obviously this must be like a deadly pandemic for some people like I'll be doing some kind of like civil service or whatever this great war time effort that I was perceiving um, you know they were putting like warships in New York to just sit there empty as hospitals at the time but yeah. like you know, it's so funny to think about like where I was like oh yeah I really thought there would be like some thing like that I don't know and so looking back I feel so re- re- Hearted, to be honest, but I don't know. You at this point have gotten to um to Hawaii. You're questioning things clearly at this point. You're yeah. obeying the law, though, I guess, right? By doing your your lockdown. Yeah, yeah, obeying the law. But there were there were some people right. law even the right word. Sorry, but right. I, emergency lie. order, <laughs> unlawful emergency <laughs> order. Thank you. I sorry. I want to be correct. Uh, anyway, go on. But yeah, I think there there was a group of people who was trying to challenge that and like refusing to sign the documents at the airport and all of that. But I heard that some of them did end up getting arrested. I don't know how that's playing out, whether it's being pursued in the courts. That's but, where it's law because it's like they're not lawful orders. They're like, it's all bullshit, but it takes years to correct for the the overstep in authority, which is insane. I don't think people realize how how crazy that. Yeah, is. that's the thing. Even though even though right now and for a while the the mandates and all have been relaxed and rolled back, the system that produced these mandates and all of that is just as strong as ever and. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's going to be. I'm expecting that there's going to be similar deployments of these kinds of tactics for for future, quote unquote, emergencies. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I think I think our little community that we have online, like I, we're probably hip to that, and everyone listening to this. But like all the all the people, all the other people, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know how. I, I'm afraid that they're going to mm-hmm. react the same way that they did the next time some kind of a crisis rolls around. Mm-hmm. No, I totally see. I can see it. Like there are people who were really right on COVID that will get fooled again. I, I just, I pray it could be me. I pray not. I'm trying to be discerning and become like uh, aware as, as best as I can, but it's, it's not going to be COVID exactly the same. Well, clearly that would be, I mean, if they did that, they're really bad at their jobs. It's going to be a distortion. It's going to be another probably realignment. And that's where like, I come back to like, people need to work together. Like you can't keep having these like bullshit, like distinctions of there's this common goal that we all have, which is not to have this horrible, uh, like global total totalitarianism finished because it's already started on us and it's like you cannot get caught up in all this like bullshit and you see it and i can see how easily even things i like care about some of the other issues you mentioned like the climate or gender ideology all that shit like can easily be used to just like scramble the whole thing again and people will end up on different sides even after they were like did this whole COVID thing and all the apparatus is there to use either of those things, actually any kind of crisis, it does not have to be a biological event per se to, you know, inst- instigate like uh, the next phase of this whole control grid. 
yeah, you, in some sense, you really got to hand it to them. I do see that some people are probably getting, getting herded into the, the anti-China let's have a, let's have a cold war that could become a hot war with China. For sure. I'm That's one unfortunate. Just kidding though. I, <laughs> with China. I do. Well, I have a whole thing. We could get into China. It's fascinating. It's a piece of this, but I think I'm beyond these, any of these binary. Uh, the only binary is, you know, us and them. Um, sure. Okay. So the fucking military is shows up at your fucking doorstep. Like what the fuck, what happens then? <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was just like a, it was just like a 20 second interaction. They just, the guy just, you know, we, we put on our masks, opened the doors, showed him our ID, and then he was on his way. But still, I mean, it, you know, I, it, it was a little bit, it was a little bit nerve wracking, but it, the, the whole thing was, it was over quickly, but having to stay inside for, for 14 days sucked. Ugh. Of course, of course. And even I'm sure he was like polite or whatever. He was just following orders, I'm sure, right? By doing his uh, routine checks. But it's something that, I don't know, seems it probably looms significant in, in retrospect, probably more so than it did at the time. It's just, uh, you know, how. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm always going to remember that. It's crazy. It is crazy. Um, so, okay. But, but back. 20, oh, please, please go on. 2021 was, was, <laughs> I was fearing it was even worse than 2020. Because I remember like, yeah, they, they, they rolled out the, I I mean, I guess the vaccine became available for some people in December, 2020, but when most people started getting, it was like March, April, May, most people I know. And I remember like, there's plenty of people in my social circle, people in my family who were trying to cut the line. Mm -hmm. I remember when they were, they were making it available by age group and my parents tried to cut the line when it was only available for people who were 70 or 75 plus and they, they got turned away. And I heard some of my coworkers recently talking about how they, how they lied about their address so that they could get, so that they could get moved up in the line, oh my gosh. which is crazy. I was like, I was like, I'm not getting anywhere near this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so time went on pretty much everyone. I, everyone, I almost everyone I know got it. And and then I got a new job in in the second half of 2021, but I was shitting bricks because because of the possibility of a mandate there. And they actually they started. I, I feel like it was a whole. Even if companies were not explicitly mandating it, they were kind of beating their chests and yeah, signaling yeah. as if they were about to mandate it, knowing that some people would just go ahead and do it anyway to not have to deal with the inconvenience later. It was kind of that situation at my work. Yeah. Or in my case, it was any like in-person operations, basically. Like it was not, nobody, they weren't really necessarily aligning with a general mandate. That was actually really surprising, but for people who uh, were required to be in, in the office like that, and they were in our company was really trying to do that in, in my instance, like that was like um, the kind of the vibe there. So yeah, there was definitely a corporate uh, alignment with, with the whole strategy, even before the mandates. Yeah. And so my company asked people to voluntarily submit their vaccination status with the vaccine cards. That was at the time when the government mandate was hypothetical. This religious exemption form showed up on the on the company's intranet, and I was I was totally shitting bricks then. I half expected to to have to lose my job, like probably by the by the end of 2021, because there was no way I was going to comply with that mandate. I even 
went and got a religious exemption letter through some some distant relative. I even got an antibody blood test just to see if I had had some kind of immunity, even though I hadn't really been sick in any of that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think, I think, yeah, late 2021, early 2022, also the cities, the cities had their passport system, like the blue cities. Mm-hmm. And yeah, couldn't well, go to, I mean, if everyone had been following the rules, I yeah, no. was able to go to restaurants, mm-hmm. gyms, bars, clubs. That was wild. And then finally, the, you know, I guess the, the trucker thing, trucker protest was late 2021 or early 2022. Yeah, I think that was 20, yeah, early 2022. Kind of like, yeah, definitely like a capstone to 21, though, I feel like. Yeah. Anyways. God bless them. Yeah. The mandate failed in January, February um, at the Supreme Court, thanks to the justices that Trump had appointed. Mm-hmm. Not so to my order, who was questioning the difference between people and machines. She said, what is the difference? Like, that was astonishing and misquoted. Like, I feel like she said, like, COVID was like a leading cause of death for children. And she was, she misquoted. Oh it was crazy. God. Like, ugh, just disgusting display there. Uh, uh, yeah. God bless the truckers. God bless the, the Trump avoidees who also, I feel like recently, and you follow, you follow the Chevron, like, kind of, um, what's his name? Uh, Donziger? Yeah. They did a dissenting kind of opinion on that. Uh, I think it was Gorsuch and, and Kravenaugh. It was really, mm-hmm. actually maybe in Breyer. It's a really random cohort. Uh, they were the ones, and they actually had a really great uh, opinion on that. And actually, Gorsuch just popes title, what is it, Title 42 ruling, I guess, which is an immigration order, which is uh, which expired, I guess, with the with the pandemic because it was, I guess, um, authorized under the uh, COVID laws, quote unquote. Uh, Gorsuch wrote this great opinion about just the law and its behavior and the legislatures in COVID. I'll put that in the show notes here. So the... I don't even know where because there's so many there's so many things that upset me. I feel for you going through this whole like the employment pressure. I went through a weird version of it. Of uh, I, I don't even have to tell my whole story. I guess here other than just say like I, I was so dumb. I got, I got the ending the Johnson Johnson shot because I'm not even in this state in a in an abandoned mall in western rural New York. I got the worst batch you can find on findmybatch.com. It's not looking great. I, I'm dumb. I should have done my research, but I, I was starting to get pressure from my family like in February. They're like, oh, you can get it. Blah, blah, blah. Like, it's not time. I think it was March when I was eligible and it was like everybody was like, I think it was maybe late March when I was eligible and everybody was like, and we left the state and went to uh, to visit family. Um, and at that time, <laughs> for like about a month, because because the same, like, even though I was actually a facilities person at the time, we didn't have a, a space. Um, but then got word that we were going to need to like you know reopen the space. And this is where it gets really fucked. Is that like I was in the process of trying to kind of like pivot to a, a new a new role in the, uh, a different division, big stuff, big moves. But was going to need to kind of tidy up this process first. I was going to need to go back, and the company really wants this office open. You know. For the summer and so it's like okay this is kind of my job could i push back for sure like i take i take full credit you know like i um and i i knew neutral like i knew like i listened to james corbett on like on bill gates i knew about this stuff yeah. but i feel like i also kind of thought like oh if everyone's dropping dead like we would see it by now you know what i mean i was kind of just 
dumb and naive. And I also thought because on MSNBC, somebody said that it was just like, they're like, oh, this is the traditional virus. Like the J&J is like the traditional virus uh, or the traditional vaccine, like the meaning like attenuated virus or whatever vaccine or, or non-attenuated, whatever, uh, the more traditional one where it's a fragment or whatever of the, of the virus. And so did not kind of missed out on the whole like concept of genetic vaccines. I, I knew the mRNA was bad. I was not going to get that. I was like yep. so scared of it. And just say the idea of one and done. And I was like, wow, they really got they really got me and people like me so good with the J&J because it was like and then I got home and like the next day it was like pulled, it was pulled for a week yeah <laughs> yeah too. Uh, but anyway the, the point being so yeah uh I, I wish I had I wish I'd had the uh the just the discernment I guess really and just and tenacity willingness to push back because I really did just kind of give in because my family and my job wanted me to do it um but I wouldn't do it again now but I did go through we did go through a similar uh thing in my household with the whole religious exemption thing I and that was a whole separate thing. That was for a booster. That was after the mandates. I don't know. It was wild. I, yeah, I, I feel for you guys too, because you guys basically were forced to go through a humiliation ritual. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and I think I think a lot of people who didn't really have a strong opinion on whether they were going to get it or not, but then with all the pressure, they just decided, okay, I'm just going to get it. It's it's probably painful to 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 be made to look back on that, you know, the fact that the fact that you had to had to obey somebody else's command. And so I, I feel for you guys too. A lot of people, a lot of people did it because of family reasons. My parents actually banned me from, from staying at the house for, for 2021 until, until they had gotten their boosters. And then they, they finally felt a bit more safe, but yeah, I mean, I, that was, yeah. I mean, I, I, I do resent that a little bit. I had a lot of, I had a lot of conversation with them. Like you, you banned me from staying at the house and, you know, my sibling didn't face any kind of a, a thing like that. And, and, and I've, I've been pretty much healthy through this time. I mean, a couple of sore throats, but you know, my, my, my sibling had COVID. Missed That's- three days of work. I'm sorry that you had to go through that too, Nucha. Like that. The whole thing with family, we, we should talk about that because if a little bit, we don't have to go into specifics, but just the feeling, it's not just family too. It's like people you trusted, people you cared about. Um, and I had, it's really weird for people, for, for the one and doneers, and we're actually a very small cohort. The, uh, I think Johnson Johnson might actually be smaller than the unvaccinated population or like the two or more somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, it's, so we're like our own, our own weird test group, but like after a point, cause I like it's one shot, right? So almost immediately I felt pressure to get the MRNA. And then they started this whole mix and match like campaign. And I was like, are you yeah. fucking kidding me? That is a marketing. Like I'm not, I don't need science. Like I, I can tell you that's marketing. Like that is ridiculous. Um, I, mean, I felt just this pressure to, to get that one. And I felt that was very strange. Um, but people started to treat us similarly, actually, like where it was like, oh, we, you're not getting boosted. And it was like, are you fucking for real? Like, what are you talking about? What is this booster? That was that scared the shit out of me. The booster, I uh, that was the beginning of just like, yeah, uh, the fiercest and darkest uh, awakening really for me it was like what the fuck the people would just go along with that and not like w- like they hadn't just heard three minutes before that it was going to be well, first of all <laughs> 15 days to flatten the curve or whatever and then the, the two shots and you're done or whatever you know like i could not believe people were just continuing to go along with it i i thought that more people would have said no to boosters i mean yeah. luckily luckily like some people some people i know said no to the boosters, which is good. But a lot of people who I thought were just going to be done after their one or two, their initial series, they still went and got the booster. 
It was scary. It was, and I, it's so funny. So the system in, I'm in San Francisco, the system had kind of been out in, I went, it was, I, I, we came back, I, I guess it was September. I, I want to say I went out with coworkers Our, and the whole office of reopening was failed by the way, because the breakthrough cases. So guess what? We shut the fucking office down after like two weeks. It was a whole fucking thing, but that's, that's a whole separate uh, gripe of mine. But I do remember going out with coworkers because I was like, not trying to go to the movies or go out in places. And we were out of the state for a while, but back and forth after that office closure. But I, um, just that feeling of just having to show your papers. It was, I didn't want to do it ever again. Mm. And I remember that seeing it, I just felt like this horrible feeling of like, this isn't right. And I like remember looking at my friend and she knew it was like not right too, but nobody said anything. Um, but even in that evening, they were talking about the boosters and they were just like, you're not going to get the booster. And I getting that feeling and being like, Oh, Oh, Oh. And I was just like in the back of my mind being like, fuck like this is like the stuff you read about in history books like i was like this isn't rational like these aren't people who are being rational you know it was scary and to see that with people who i really respected from work that were like i looked up to i thought were so so smart and i do still of course but like really let me down in that way and the same with family who i just were were more liberal than me like for sure like we're the biggest liberals and like the fact that the biggest anti-pharma people i know are some of the biggest cheerleaders of this the biggest food you you're kind of like an animal like right so i guess like uh, person is that maybe fair to say like do, do you see that kind of in that in that uh, realm as well yeah i do a lot of a lot of people who i who i admired a lot and i guess still admire and really looked up looked up to and i've learned a lot from i would have expected more of that group to to be clued into what was going on and to realize that yeah this is a show me your papers moment and that's like you shouldn't be going along with that without a single critical thought but then some of these people were like tip of the spear for the regime and it shocked me. I don't know if I'm going to ever get over it, to be honest. I don't, I'm, I will not, <laughs> like, I will not get over it. Like I, I told, like I told you, I had a reaction to, I guess, leftism um, at a, a young age uh, in college, but like, I didn't expect this level of like kind of just debasement like i ish and they just still won't even concede the slightest point like that's i mean the, this is and it's clearly you know it's clearly trauma i, I understand i have i do have some empathy it's, it's trauma there's propaganda that was relentless they're afraid mm-hmm. they're afraid to confront the fucking truth because it is fucking scary but it's shocking to me the levels of just like they will uh, the levels yeah. to they will go to like deny all of it yeah, like I would have conversations with people where I would explain how even in Pfizer's own cooked clinical trial, there were more deaths in the Pfizer arm than in the placebo arm. They completely missed that mortality endpoint. And it's just nothing but blank stares. There was a total lack of intellectual curiosity from people who normally are are very intellectually curious. And by the way, this reminds me of... Uh, I, I, I really like that you got mixed up with Caitlin Johnstone online because I used to read her <laughs> stuff like, really, really like as soon as she posted it, I used to read her stuff and yeah, it. but she was so smug about it. And there's so many cases like that. Uh, so, and I really do think like, yeah, she, I think she, and she probably still is. I don't, I think I'm blocked probably, but anyways, she's good on, uh, she's good on Ukraine. I, I will give her that. But like the idea that she wouldn't 
connect it to any um, anything else, specifically COVID-19, when there's a, a myriad of intersections through uh, Metabiota, through the Ukrainian, like whatever these bio labs are going on over there, tons of money, just the idea of like uh, the way and manner now that propaganda is being conducted, like that whole apparatus of COVID is now being used to carry out a wartime effort, like the Trusted News Initiative, all of these like different censorship uh, campaigns, CISA or whatever here in the United States under Department of Homeland Security, that was doing all the censorship. They're doing the same thing for Ukraine. The apparatus is from COVID-19. So uh, supposed anti-establishment, anti-empire type of reporter, unable to see that. I find that hard to believe. That makes me question her credibility, honestly, as, a, mm. as an actor. Like, who is she really? Like, and with all of these people in this counter-narrative, who are they really and who do they work for? Who knows? But um, yeah, she, it's, there's many such cases. Yeah, there are a lot of, a lot of people like... Um... I got blocked by socialist MMA, Nick Cruz. Mm. I, you know, that guy, Vinay Prasad. Yeah. I just asked him a question about, about some of his previous things that he said. He was, he was cheerleading loudly for the first three shots, but then the fourth one was where he drew the line. And like for little kids is where he drew the line. He blocked me too. It's such a third rail. And I think as far as my real life, friends and family, I'm afraid that I've burned my credibility with them because I tried having these conversations with a lot of people, but I mm-hmm. think, I think they, just, they just see me as a crazy paranoid person now. Mm-hmm. Nope, same. And it's insane to me because it makes me so upset because uh, it, like you were saying, like there's facts. It was a sh- when I started to actually look into it, uh, as a person who's like done a lot of conspiracy things, it's like hard to prove, like, I don't know, like, I mean, no, JFK is not a good example. There's a lot of facts there, too. It's hard to prove the moon landing's fake, let's just say, uh, hypothetically. You know, that's like, it's a little Looney Tunes to say it's going to take some effort to convince people. But when you have so much evidence in COVID-19, I was surprised with the pandemic and so, I mean, volumes, like I, I told you, there's whole chunks of like, you could do entire units on like what's going on with like this, this operation between the like the censorship and the early treatment suppression and the vaccine and the, the censorship there's a whole bunch of evidence that there's wrongdoing and you you get like told that you're being brainwashed by the Koch brothers who actually by the way make money from the pandemic they are all in on the pandemic they like sell yeah. masks or something I forget what their their industry is it's, it's ridiculous uh, but because uh, maybe we could talk about this like uh, Steve Bannon like I watch his show a lot because he was really covering a lot this stuff and like Steve Bannon I kind of think of as a cartoon character and I still kind of do I guess a little bit we do share a birthday so I do think of him as like a spiritual brother maybe in some ways but he like is not maybe the most credible he is of course smeared even worse after January 6th and that's I think on, on purpose even though he has nothing to do with it um it's weird to be in these like spaces where you have to kind of like be like i don't know you're, I, and it, it's obviously the information you don't say like i got it from steve bannon but that's just like the association and i i am watching programs like that and even fringier content you know to get information i'm not buying it at face value you know you're gonna do the work but mm-hmm. people who should give us the, i'm sure you the credit people who should give me the credit of like the benefit of the doubt to like listen and have the conversation won't even do it and it's really is it's shocking you know what? I had, I think I had a little bit of success recently with one of my, one of my friends who, uh, I mean, he wasn't, he didn't care that much about whether other people went along with, uh, got the vaccine or not. Like he didn't care if other people got it, but he went along with it for probably three or four shots, but it, somehow it came up. Like, I don't think I brought it up in conversation, but I, 
I said something like, if if you had taken three polio shots in a year and still ended up getting polio, what would you think? Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, that it probably didn't work. I was like, exactly. Exactly. So it, maybe maybe a seed has been planted. Thank you. I mean, like, it, polio vaccine issues aside. <laughs> no, seriously, it's like, well, it's a start. I feel like it, exactly. It's uh, it's a, such a mountain, and I kind of gave up. I mean, I I had I your tweets inspired me. You're part of the people, uh, the uh, ephemera that was like, littered on my timeline, where I was like, there's so much information. I started to try to like collate it and be put together like like an organized like system for a moment, you know. And I was like, I'm gonna have a, a, a PowerPoint. I'm gonna show my family at the holidays, and I'm gonna show them. That this is not crazy. We're going to start with the, the super cut of the Pfizer ads in front of every single news program covering yeah. COVID-19. Like, hey, it's persuasive, right? Truth is persuasive. But there's something even more powerful than the truth apparently at play at this moment. It's very, very... It's, it's, it's fitting in. People, people don't want to people don't want to lose their membership in the in-group. Yeah, I, yeah, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of the, yeah, com- it's comfort in a lot of ways. It's like status quo and just not wanting to face, you know, this um, whatever it is, <laughs> whatever you want to call the one big thing behind the scenes, you know. Yeah, I have one more story about 2021. Please, yes, so please. My 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 grandma died in 2021 and of of COVID, but what was also Part of the equation, in my opinion, was the fact that I mean every every other every other aspect to this, the fact that she got remdesivir, the fact that she was put on a ventilator, and uh, the fact that she was denied. Uh, it, it, they basically forced her to die alone. And so there were scary. there were so many people who had to who had to go through that, and yeah, I mean not being prop, I mean not getting not getting proper treatment, getting actual a toxic failed ebola drug mm-hmm. doesn't do anything good for for the illness that she had i i thought that maybe th- this would make other people in the family maybe more curious to figure out how this happened but no i think in everyone's mind in my family it was covid that killed her and that could have been a factor but don't you want to also consider the other things and the circumstances under which she died yeah Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they have pain. I'm, and I'm so sorry for like that you had to go uh, go through that. Like, it's, it's the, then, and many people that it's just awful that that was in the name of health that we're going to like isolate the elderly and let sick people be alone. And, and, and this is horrible. You know, know. you think that would, that would wake people up, you know, it's like, so it must be very painful. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. Thanks. So it was so shitty. I mean, she was, she was very frail. She was almost 90, but I've talked to people. I've met people who that same thing about basically being in the hospital with no rights and being given remdesivir and dying. Like yeah. That's happened to oh, yeah. people I've met, direct parents, like people who are not old. It's happened to so many people. Mm-hmm. That's where it's cutting through too. I do see, uh, I think there's a, a growing awareness of people who were, you know, who actually did have uh, loved ones who lost to actually to COVID, you know, and are starting to realize maybe it wasn't just COVID-19 or, or you know, there was a, a lot of complicated factors and definitely with the remdesivir, I think that is, that is picking up steam, I think. Um, we'll, we'll see. Although I, I, they can't just be, like, I, I could see remdesivir at some point becoming a, like a concession almost where it's like they hang up, you know, Anthony Fauci mm-hmm. didn't die on that, you know, just to avoid other crimes. They're constantly doing these like 
cover-ups of, of criminal things. Um, and yet, and, and I'm sorry, I have a similar experience in the sense of like, I had, well, I had an aunt that passed away during in 2021 that was my mom's like older sister. Fortunately not, it, it, so she got the Moderna vaccine and then about three months later, she died of what they described at the time is like rapid onset or fast onset leukemia. And I was like, I've never heard of like someone go. So she went to the hospital and was like dead, like less than three weeks later, but she did not for God. Thank God did not die at the, at the hospital. Like they, they let her uh, go. They were like, you can basically do nothing for her. It was sort of crazy. It was crazy. I'd never heard of anything like this, um, but like was surrounded by family, fortunately. So it was not, um, it was like, we were very lucky in that sense, but like at the, in the same way though, I have questions about that one of the earliest things i remember listening to like i think the show called Life, to the lifeboats I, I don't listen to it uh anymore really uh from just i moved on i guess but i was one of the early ones i heard and there was a, a nurse uh, who was speaking and she said that she was like seeing this increase in like these rapid onset these fast what they call turbo cancers now and, and you follow like ethical skeptic and you see like these like rates and it can just be like it, it's just it's so sad because i would hope i would wish i could talk to my family about that I, I can talk to one cousin you know about it basically you know my my fortunately my husband thank god you know but like um i i can i can relate to that it's just like such a um horrific and that's what kind of animates me to be honest to do this like i don't care honestly at the end of the day if uh, if i become exposed for having these opinions because I mean, I do, I, I don't want that to happen to like knock on wood, but you know, because like I do have this, uh, this what they've done to our families is like this obscene. I, I, I'm motivated by like a, a wrath, like they, they've, they've awakened an animal in Pool House, I'm telling you, and, and in Nucho Libre, I feel, and I'm, uh, you know, it's good that we're, yes. I'm, we're in the fight together here, my friend, you know? Yeah, I'm so sorry to hear about your aunt. It's just, like, it makes, it makes me angry too that this has happened to so many people. It's, so many, so many. Exactly. I, I know, I know, I know two people. I know one direct first degree connection, and my wife knows a first degree connection. Each of whom have had miscarriages mm. oh, in the okay. last two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. It just makes me wonder. Like, was that related to it? Because I know for a fact that they got, you know, they got the vaccine. And also, there have been probably I think like four deaths of coworkers at my company, which is a few thousand people, but these were guys in their forties who, who, from what it sounded like, from what information was given, could have been a turbo cancer type situation. So like just people having random health problems that you hear about more now. Mm -hmm. No, it it is the same. And I think I I will say it uh, off to offer ourselves and our listeners something, I guess, uh, that I I really do think... (laughs) these dark times are happening. There are clearly these, we're in a health crisis. It's of like, who knows what making, but I think the bodily health, I do believe is downstream from the like mind, like mental health. And I think that is downstream from your spiritual health. And I think, and I think a lot of us have, I, I, maybe you, I don't know, but many of us have, I think had more of a, a different kind of like pull towards spirituality or I guess, or religion in, in different ways throughout this as well. I think that's been a, a blessing for, for me, uh, beyond, any shots you receive or any any bad air you breathe or at any time you know you, you need to be right at the end of the day with with yourself
keep saying it, but I feel like in a weird way, we're, we're all the early Christians, like the pre-Roman uh, church kind of variety of the early persecuted uh, sort almost in a strange way. I do feel like we should wrap quickly though on a, a, a maybe a lighthearted subject uh, because I had wanted to have you on the program. You were on my short list. So I was getting, you know, I was getting through the list. I was, I, the operation was, uh, was afoot. Um, and then I posted a, a track by the artist, I guess is credited KH. It's, it's, the artist is also known as Fortet. Uh, it's called Looking at Your Pager. Um, I don't think I... I'm serious in this. I don't think I was in the timeline where that song came out. And I'm glad I, I feel like it's a positive sign that I've entered the timeline where that song exists. Uh, I think there's some kind of time travel component to it. It's a, it's a daft cut. I love it. It's got a little like three LW sample. It's in, it's bananas. But you posted, you responded, you responded that you actually, I think, saw it live last last summer, um, which was really, really cool. And I feel like that kind of inspired my, or sparked our conversation. I was like, I need to get neutral on on the program. What was it like to see KH slash Quartet perform that song? Did you know it was an instant classic at the moment? And is there any truth to my time travel theory, in your opinion? <laughs> yeah, this is such a cool story that that we that we have that in common love for that particular track so this story of me hearing that was i was at this i was at this music festival i was just there for one day but i was listening to some live sets before going to the music festival because i like to be familiar with the the artists sure. i was already kind of familiar with quartet but mm-hmm. i i was looking forward to hearing that song in particular and he ended up closing out the closing out the set at the end of the night with that track. And I came home from that. I was still buzzing a little bit. Tail end of a mild acid trip. And I was just singing it. I was humming it. And then, and then my wife goes, is that a, are you singing like destiny's child or something? Yeah. So, she, so she had gotten destiny's child in three LW. Sure. Sure. Comment, comment. Time, I, I didn't, I didn't realize that it was a sample of a three LW song. <laughs> But then when I found that out, I was like, whoa, that's so cool. <laughs> I was actually, when you said, uh, yeah, you, you were going to the festival, I was like, that song actually, we it, we needed to listen to it. We need Fortet to play the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk, Dropping Acid, the drop will happen. We'd be on like the, the giant dipper at the moment when the drop hits, maybe. I don't know. That would oh be incredible. Uh, we uh, will arrange this. I don't know. Through the power of the radio, uh, make it so. Um, that is really funny. And yeah, the 3LW sample, like I, I took me a few times. I knew it was familiar. I didn't quite place it. And then I, I think I did Google it first. And I was like, ah, um, really brilliant, br- brilliant sample flip. It, Cause it's so, it's uh, uncanny in, in its own way. It's song called looking at your pager in like 2022 like no 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 fucking around there it's just it's bananas and it's really it's a lot of fun i feel like uh yeah there's there's some some strange quality to that song that i still have not yet to figure out uh, but i'm glad that it brought you to this program neutral libre f- finally because it has been a long time in the making um i first of all where can where can people find you online just at neutral libre on twitter at Nucho Libre on Twitter. It's a good follow. I feel I need to be honest. I feel like I need to start a list or a pin. I, I try to keep on 
top of my favorite like mutuals and stuff but the algorithm really does separate us it's very annoying um and i keep meaning to like make a, like, a private list or a list so i could just like follow like my most important feed and i think i, I really should do that because i feel like yeah we're, we're almost too powerful together i feel like is what they're trying to, to tell us sometimes you know for sure um DJ, what is do you have a, do you have a final closing message for the people um well, first of all, thanks so much for bringing me on. This was a lot of fun, good first podcast experience, and I I hope we get a misinformation label. And oh, okay. I, I've been listening on SoundCloud, so I don't see those, labels, <laughs> but maybe Spotify adds them. Yeah. Um, my final thought is just keep spreading misinformation because it gives me life. <laughs>